I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN. Your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I used to believe that was probably better odds to win the Mega Millions jackpot, which was $1.5 billion or something like that, than get a parking spot at Chipotle on my first try Ooh. here in town. <laughs> but guess what? I beat the odds. Oh. On my first try today, I got a parking spot. I got the very first spot I, at I Chipotle. Think, I think that may be saying something about the fact that school's not in session just yet. Yeah, really. Well, that's the thing. Like, I love Chipotle, so I, I will go once a week or something, get my fix in before, yeah. The students arrive because not only are you not going to find a spot, but also the line is going to be a lot longer. Right. I don't really like to hang out in lines unless I'm going to see a pretty awesome band or something. That lunch line gets nuts down there, man. They gotta get. Where's our second Chipotle, man? We're big enough for it. Come on. We got what two or three Starbucks? Yeah. Four maybe. We got Five. Two Arby's. Two Arby's. Yeah, come on. Couple yeah. of Burger Kings. Couple of McDonald's. Seven Subways. Come on. Give us a two Chipotle. We got like, I guess we have two Taco Bells. Mm-hmm. And we can't get a red. Oh, never mind. Ah, we, we used to have two Paneras. <laughs> we did. That second Panera was open for about 14 minutes. And they're like, nope. And we're supposed to get that. There's that place, uh, the Hawaiian place that's going in there. What? Yeah, there's this spot that they serve a Hawaiian food. Oh, a Hawaiian barbecue, Hawaiian bros? Yeah, them boys are coming here. They're coming here, dog. What? Yeah. Is this true? You need to get up on your uh, local local rumor mill, okay? Listen, ever since I stopped doing the morning show and I've just been glued in on uh, sports director at the station and get ready for this show. I've lost a lot of contact with the reality, to be honest with you. Dude, you need to get in on I'm trying to dig in on who's going to be the fourth string tied in. I mean, I'm really (laughs) trying to dig deep and give you the true knowledge of what's happening with K-State football right now. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., and Travion Berkland wearing his brand new Lollapalooza shirt. Whoa! Trey, did you have to run to the merch line to get that shirt like you did to get to the front row for two days? No, definitely not because I was there. Early the first day, and I got all my merch right away. Even though the merch line for the bands was like insane, so I waited during Billie Eilish to get any band. Merch. Oh, smart, Ooh. smart! Now we understand though why he slept in his car for the uh, for the time because he bought a shirt. 
How much did you spend that, that on merch? Was, that was all your hotel money right there. <laughs> 50 bucks for a shirt. This was like a $30 shirt. Oh, oh that's not yeah, bad. Okay, all right. I saw the back of it, too. It's got everybody listed there on the back, and but uh, he did not want to be. How many days was that? Didn't want to be front, uh, front for Billie Eilish, but everybody it else. It was four days total. So who was, okay, we had Billie Eilish, we had Kendrick Lamar, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who was the fourth headliner? Uh, it was that Tomorrow X Together Korean boy band troy help me out here i don't even know them so wow oh bts i know them guys my wife loves them <laughs> there's like 14 of them she was begging you to go to Lollapalooza. she wants she definitely wants bts tickets but Lollapalooza, no way there's this guy that i was standing with because he stands at front for every headliner i guess and he's been doing it every single Lollapalooza, and he's like 65 <laughs> years old wow. and he was saying like when bts came to chicago there was people waiting for two weeks out before yeah. the actual date in like 20 degree weather just to nope. get tickets for bts guys no. it's wednesday and you know what that means aew dynamite is tonight from Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. Guys, listen to some of these names in action tonight. Rob Van Dam, yes. Woo! An ECW original in action tonight against uh, Luke Perry's son. Uh, the actor, Luke Perry. <laughs> no way. The late Luke Perry, his son Jack Perry in action. Plus, the Hardy Boys versus the Young Bucks. That's like a like a fantasy matchup. <laughs> when it comes to the best in tag team wrestling of all time, they're going to clash today on free television. That's tonight, 7 o'clock on TBS. Are you being serious about Luke Perry's son? That Yeah, that is correct. Really? And he looks exactly like him. No. Oh, my God. All right. He used to be Jungle Boy Jack Perry, but he dropped the Jungle Boy when he turned heel. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. He does look like him. If, if you put him all, in all blue, like a blue jumpsuit, he looks like Luke Perry and Oz. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's crazy. All right, let's get to our guest, D.Y. D.Y. is only joining us for a uh, for a segment today because we're only on for an hour and a half, plus the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holt, is coming up at 440, giving us training camp update number two. D.Y., is, uh, is Nationwide Arena any good? Yeah, it's actually pretty nice. It's got an entertainment district hmm. around that. Uh, so I got bumped by Mitch Holtis today, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, that, and I was like, there's a lot I wanted to squeeze in. Plus, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you questions about like, hey, what'd you learn these last couple of days during these pressers? Have we got answers on depth? Because that's really what all the questions were this week, right? It was a lot about depth. But before we get there, how juiced are you that Arizona, Arizona State and Utah make the Big 12 now 16? I'm juiced about the Big 12 surviving because that is good news for Kansas State and you know, there's been multiple times since I've moved out here to cover Kansas State where <laughs> their standing in the college football landscape was a bit in jeopardy just because of the Big 12 status. So to sit here today with 16 teams uh, being stable and probably certain to, to be that third league uh, that is sort of the stepchild of the Big Ten and SEC feels pretty fortunate. Okay, I, I understand, you know – Yes, K-State, Big 12 surviving, but I'm like, you know, Arizona State, is that moving the needle for you a whole lot? Uh, I will say I am intrigued to visit the new campuses. Okay, um, okay. I, I don't look at it as much of a program thing, although I think they're quality programs and not necessarily the A-plus like, you know, you would get from like an Alabama or something like that. 
But I think you're like getting B grade programs here across the board with Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, at least when it comes to brand recognition. But me personally, I, I, I think I, I draw probably because of the nature of our jobs, I drum up a little bit more excitement and intrigue when it comes to the different campuses that we will now have to visit. I'm not going to lie. I am not a fan of Sun Devil Stadium. It is a, it's a concrete mess. I don't know if you've ever been there, but the press they, box is like in yeah. the heavens. Yes. Okay. They still play there. So the, yeah. the, the Arizona Cardinals and them just have different stadiums now. I got you. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious about uh, Tucson, especially the basketball environment that that'll provide. That'll be pretty sick. I do like that relationship. Go ahead, Troy. Uh, having been there a couple of times, that is stellar. And they've revamped, so uh, they've remodeled. And seating-wise and the like, it's much more comfortable than what it was. Before then, uh, it was still benches in a lot of areas. So it, it's it's definitely an atmosphere now that it wasn't even just a decade ago. And Arizona is home to one of my favorite logos of all time when they used the cactus as part of their logo in the 1990s. <laughs> I also like, I like what Utah brings to the table when it comes to uh, being a football brand and being a, a pretty solid program the last three years, or really you should say the last five years. They've been one of the top dogs in the Pac-12. But uh, D.Y., we're limited on time with you this week, although it may stretch into uh, our next segment a little bit. But I'm just going to roll with the questions here. All right, so a lot of depth questions, of course. It's kind of like last year, right? We're just kind of learning who's going to fill up the depth chart uh, for this upcoming season, who's been standing out. So uh, I'll just kind of bounce off you. I mean, what really stood out to you these last couple of days, not only speaking with Chris Kleiman Tuesday, but also earlier today as we were on the east side of Bill Snyder Family Stadium talking to the offensive coaches? Yeah, I, I would say just the players that drew the most praise, obviously, is probably a good place to start. And I, and I felt like that was probably the case for cornerback Will Lee in terms of the secondary. I thought he probably got the most um, good compliments, at least the strongest compliments. He was one of those that, that reaped that. So did Nate Matlack at defensive end, which is great to hear, considering the injuries that he kind of had to endure throughout uh, most of last season, Uso, again, at defensive tackle or nose guard, Uso Sayamalo. I thought his name was pretty buzzworthy. Carver Willis now comes to mind just because he seems like maybe the answer at right tackle while Christian Duffy is not available. Of course, Hayden Gillum, KT Leviston come to mind as well in terms of you know receiving a lot of compliments and praise. Ben Sinnott sure did today when he was spoken about by Tight ends coach Brian Lepac. Uh, I don't know if I'm forgetting anyone. Of course, Will Howard. I thought Avery Johnson, in terms of how fast he can play the game, that was that was something of note said by head coach Chris Kleiman. And then I think two receivers uh, are worth mentioning with Keegan Johnson. I think he was called exceptional more than once. And then R.J. Garcia, just because of the amount of plays apparently that he made during the first week of training camp. You know, tied in is a really interesting story. I mean, the last couple of weeks I've been, you know, really, you know, pumping up the ego of of Ben Simmons because I feel like when it comes to K-State's numbers and records for tight ends that he could have a Mount Rushmore type of year for the Cats and he has built himself, you know, a star placement really for for stars at K-State now to be one of the more popular players because of him having such a great finish to his year. And for, you know, tight end standards at K-State, over 400 yards receiving is a huge year. So we we all know that, you know, he could have a very big year. 
but including Ben Sinnott. Where are you at right now when it comes to just the depth at tight end? Do you feel like, even though there's a bunch of guys that are looking to make a name for themselves probably after Ben Sinnott is gone, that it's still a deep position? Yeah, I think probably a work in progress is the best way to describe that. I, I think that there's a little bit of an unknown mystery factor that plays out there behind Ben Sinnott at tight end just because little of it is proven. I think the guy that will probably see the most beyond Ben Sinnott is likely Will Swanson just because I think he offers a varying skill set to Sinnott. Now, Garrett Oakley is another name that we heard about quite a bit in the spring, but he's so similar in terms of skill set to Sinnott that I wonder if we don't see Will Swanson just a bit more because of what he brings to the table kind of plays off of Senate a little bit more. Um, it's not necessarily a carbon copy type of tight end. You're, Will Swanson is more of a guy that would be in line a lot more, um, probably more suited to be a blocker. So that's the interesting thing, what they decide to do. Do they just want Ben Sinnott and another guy that's a carbon copy in terms of skill set, or do they go for someone a little bit different just to – give you a different element and, you know, a different skill, so to speak. And if that's the case, I think that would be Will Swanson. After the last couple of days, I've been kind of left with the uh, the thought at wide receiver that, okay, we've heard names shouted out, good things about RJ Garcia. And then, of course, you know, Keegan Johnson, some praise there, of course. Phillip Brooks just has to keep getting better. And we know basically who the starters are. But I was kind of left still questions about exactly – how deep that position is. Where are you at right now at wide receivers? Is that like you just got to wait until we see them on the field, what they can do really? Yeah, a little bit. I think I feel good about what we're going to see and get from two guys. I think Keegan Johnson, just the, you know, the amount of praise and strong words of affirmation used towards him. I'm pretty comfortable that he's going to be a pretty impressive player and a pivotal one perhaps the best weapon in the passing game for Kansas State, probably between him and Ben Sinnott, of course. Mm -hmm. And then Phillip Brooks, just because of the amount of experience in football that he's played, um, you got to think he's a pretty dependable and reliable weapon, and you're going to be able to count on him as well. I I think this will be his third year as a full-time starter, maybe his fourth. He's been in Manhattan. This is his sixth season. He's actually had five different position coaches in his career, which which is pretty – Pretty wild to consider. But after that, that's when it becomes a bit more of a probably need to see it to believe it. I mean, we've heard some strong uh, compliments for RJ Garcia before, and it didn't all the way come to fruition or, or unfold. He did have the, you know, the meaningful catch touchdown against TCU in the Big 12 championship game. But beyond that, it was pretty slim. Jaden, him and Jaden Jackson, you would think, are probably fighting it out for that number three spot. I don't know that I would say it's a foregone conclusion that's going to be Garcia. I imagine Jaden Jackson's in the mix. And even if you dig a little further, you wonder, you know, who are those next guys? Because I think Chris Kleiman mentioned that three through seven is pretty tight. I think two of those are RJ Garcia and Jaden Jackson. I would imagine some of the others or Ty Bowman, Seth Porter, Xavier Lloyd. Does a true freshman get in there? If so, it's probably Trace Bivey. Does Sterling Lockett, is he able to kind of make a dent? I think it was inferred by Kleiman that he's probably in that top seven. But what does being in the top seven mean? I, you know, last year with that rotation, of course, it was a different position coach, but it was Colin Klein was still the offensive coordinator in year one. 
not a lot of rotation at wide receiver. Was that out of necessity? Was that a shortage of firepower? I don't know. Um, we'll be able to better determine that once we see what happens with that position this season. But yeah, I, I'm still left needing to see it to believe it in terms of that position, what happens beyond just Keegan Johnson and Phillip Brooks for me. I, I hear you on RJ Garcia. I mean, we, we heard that last year that, you know, he he's just making spectacular plays. And then when it comes to 2022, if he was on the field, you didn't notice him because targets were not going his direction. Three guys at the wide receiver position who are your starters were getting all the targets. But I and this kind of leads into what I was thinking about getting to at 510. Remember, Kleiman uh, kind of gave us a two-year buffer on Will Howard when he was the uh, best backup quarterback in college football <laughs> and then he comes in 2021 maybe not the best yet 2022 he proves himself and now he's the guy I'm going to let DG take the floor for a second DY I heard earlier I think Troy I think you had said something uh, Chris Kleiman wants to have nine guys on the offensive line as far as rotation does that change with Christian Duffy's injury and sticking with the line but on the other side uh, what did you see from the defensive front um as far as from what you saw, did you like it? Did you not like it? What do you got? Yeah, offensive line will be interesting. They've kind of mentioned that eight or nine being the target number every year. I just don't think that they had enough depth or overall talent across the board or maybe even enough versatility to quite get there. This year they can get to that point. Um, without Christian Duffy, can they get to that point? I'm not so sure. He's he'll He's not going to miss that many games, though, so he'll be back rather quickly, but – just obviously you have the five starters from last year and you put Taylor Portier on top of that. Who's also started a game. That's six Carver Wills has started games before, I believe, or at least played played yeah. in considerable games. Yeah. He at least played quite a bit in 2020, just out of necessity mm-hmm. as a true freshman. And he might be the starting right tackle just to begin the season. So that's seven. And then when you add in John Pastore and Andrew Lion gang, who they love those two, um, just young guys that are really, really have a bright future. I think they'll play a little bit this year. Are they going to play in every game? Are they going to go eight or nine every game? I don't know. Uh, it's interesting because offensive line, a lot of it's about cohesion. So how much you toy with it, sometimes that can be up for debate. And then I, I really like Sam Hecht at center. He's he's a guy that's really getting a lot of buzz. So, you know, I just rattle off 10 guys right there. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be hard to do. Uh, will they do it? How much will they do it? I don't know. But they certainly have the talent and the depth capable of doing so if that's what an option that they want to go with on the defensive line you know chris Kleiman is really comfortable with what they have <laughs> excuse me and some of the coaches and teammates have, have exercised that same comfort when we've spoken to them i'm not all the way there yet but as much as they seem confident about that group i'm not necessarily concerned i was more had issues and questions with the secondary and some of that's already being solved as we speak as well. But you had three defensive ends that are capable of starting at most big 12 schools. And I think you feel comfortable with having that number. Not, not many teams have three guys on the edge that are capable of starting elsewhere. So Nate Matlack being back and being healthy. That's a real big key this season. Brandon Mott, six and a half sacks last year, people forget. So he, that's basically giving you a third starter on the uh, at defensive end, even though you only start two and, because they're moving Khalid Duke back. So you got two guys that can really rush the passer. Matt Lack as well, if he can stay healthy. Brennan Mott had more sacks last year than Will McDonald from Iowa State, which is pretty bizarre to think about. Uh, I say bizarre, it's probably not the right word, but impressive because that was his first uh, season of considerable playing time, and, that, and that's probably a stat that gets overlooked a bit. And a lot of it will come down to is the hype around Uso Sayamalo. Is it 
appropriate? Is it accurate? If so, uh, Kansas State's going to have zero problems along the defensive front. All right, D.Y., that's all I got. Uh, I saw that you're putting out more of those position previews, including like we just talked earlier uh, about tight ends. Plus, we didn't get to the secondary, but I also noticed you just put out a uh, preview about the corners. So uh, that's all I got for you this week. So thank you, D.Y. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. See you then. It's Derek Young from K-State Online here on The Game. And uh, still to come, 440, we're going to talk to the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. But when we come back, earlier today we got to speak with all of the position coaches on the offensive side of the football. And uh, coming up next, we're going to hear from one of them because, again, I'm high on Ben Sinnott. So we're going to hear from tight ends coach Brian LePack up next. We're back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, and Trey Beyond Berkland. The phone number 537-1350. We're on with you for an hour and a half. Royals looking for at least a split of the series with the Boston Red Sox tonight at Fenway Park. Jordan Lyles on the mound. Mm. I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah! There's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. Hubly. Well... Chris Kleiman has brought Sexy back to the tight end position uh, here in Manhattan, Kansas, after what felt like a lull, like a five-year lull at tight end, uh, when more focus was on the fullback. Baby Gronk, Mm. you know, comes to mind, of course. Don't forget about Baby Gronk. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Dang, man, I did kind of forget about him for a second. He was, I mean, the big news in town. But with the Briley Moores, the Daniel A. Matter Babies, and now <laughs> Ben Sinnott. Never count out the tight end when you're facing a Chris Kleiman, Kansas State Wildcats. And I got to say, K-State has it really good right now. It's been a while since K-State has had it this good at tight end when it comes to a catching passes type of tight end over 400 yards last year it was a top 10 receiving season for a tight end in program history and for me and i'm going to say it a hundred more times as we lead up to the season as we're what what was it 24 days from 24 now 24 days is when k-state kicks off i'm going to be saying it a whole bunch that benson is going to have a mount rushmore type of season when it comes to tight ends at k-state but of course chris Kleiman not doing it alone as for the past couple of years Brian LePack, tight end and fullbacks coach, spoke earlier today to the K-State media and, of course, leading off talking about Ben Sinnott. Ben's obviously a very talented player, okay? And that skill set allows you to do a lot of creative things. 
that maybe you can't necessarily do with everyone or everybody's on a different point in their development. So it's a little bit more of a relationship like a partnership that you get to ask him for input on things that he likes or things that you think he can do and you get to craft some things to him. So it's, a, it's pretty awesome and it's probably pretty similar to what relationship guys in the NFL have with professional athletes in that they are a little bit more partners as opposed to you do what I tell you to. Does that make sense? So it's great. Kind of running joke with him was that he was a blocking tight end when he first got here. Yeah. Obviously, he's proven that wrong. When do you remember the first time thinking, hey, this guy can really catch the ball too? Well, he did it a lot in practice, and he made all those plays that came on at the end of the year. He had a big game against Oklahoma, but he made those plays at the end of the year, in particular in the Baylor game. And he'd made those in practice over and over again, especially through fall camp. And we'd sit in there as a staff, and our receivers coach at the time, Thad Ward, would make comments about get number 34 the ball, and I would shoot him down, jokingly, jokingly. But those opportunities just showed up in a game late in the year and just continued to build on. I think his confidence really took off at that point because it is the opportunity to show it in a live setting. For the amount of 12 personnel that you guys run, how well are the two and three guys getting adjusted? You know, we have a very talented, very deep group, okay, and those guys have come a long ways. Will Swanson last year sat in kind of a third role because we had Sammy Wheeler as a six-year player with a lot of experience. And so Sammy kind of kept him off the field a good amount. So Swanson has come along. He's taken a lot of reps. He's been in the program since 2020. Um, Garrett Oakley and Braden Lofton are also coming along very strong. And then we have fullback Christian Moore, who also continues to show up and do that, uh, do good work. And so between those guys, we've got a group, good group, plus the incoming freshman, um, Andrew Metzger and uh, Will Ancio. And so we've got a good unit. We've got a good unit, and they've been pretty well developed. Cats out of the bag with, with Ben. It feels like maybe last year he surprised a few people. and He's not going to surprise anybody this year probably. Yeah, I, w I would say that's probably accurate. Um, I think that he still is just one player, and we have a whole team. And they're going to have to defend guys like Will Howard and DJ Giddens and Keegan Johnson and Phillip Brooks. And I think that he's still going to have his opportunities. It's not just something you can stop Ben Sennett and you'll stop the Cats. How is the tight end position involved with, uh, with the newer offense for you guys? Yeah, you know, I, I would say the evolution of it has been that these guys are legitimate receiving threats, and you have to respect them in the passing game, and if you don't, we're going to be able to make you pay for it. Do you still coach all your tight ends to play fullback too, or is that kind of been phased out? Uh, you know, actually we do spend a good amount of time doing that. Um, I would say from a teaching progression, a lot of it bases out of understanding what to do as a fullback. And if you can do that, then you can move around and be a lot more moving parts. You're not always on the line of scrimmage in a three-point stance blocking defensive ends. We move those guys all over the place. And so their skill sets are more merged, right? It's not a sixth offensive lineman out there at tight end, and it's not just a true in-the-backfield fullback. It's something in between. And so those guys have a little bit of a hybrid position. How good is the relationship between Ben and Will? It seems like those guys are pretty tight. Will Howard? Yeah. Really, really strong. Really strong. I think all those guys that were freshmen in that 2020 group, I think they're really close and bonded. They've been through a lot of adversity together, and they're a strong group. What's impressive the most about Metzger and Nancy so far? About those guys? Yeah. They're talented young players, okay? They're very intelligent. They're working really, really hard. And I think they've got great physical dimensions that help them in that aspect. Um, but the biggest thing is that they care, and they're conscientious, and they go about their work. I look out there. We have meetings. And they've got their notepads, 
and it's just filled, filled with writing and writing and writing. It doesn't mean they're always right about what they're doing, but they care. And so they come into it every single day with a great attitude. They work their butt off and they really try to figure out what they're supposed to do. There you have it. Tight ends and fullbacks coach Brian LePac. Uh, earlier today at Bill Center Family Stadium, just got to point out, you probably heard a uh, what sounded kind of like a, a either a router or like a belt sander uh, going on in the background. It's like as soon as all the press stuff started uh, to kick off, here comes all the noise because right outside they're having the, the, uh, the annual watermelon feed after practice. So and, it was and a, the construction cranked up as well. Oh, oh okay. See, I don't know exactly what was being worked on, but it was being worked on. You could tell. See, I thought maybe that was the software opening those watermelons. The you, <laughs> that would be dope. <laughs> <laughs> New Gallagher action. I thought it was like a old Bill Snyder trick, like open things up for the media and then just like have noise in the background. Do you yeah. know how many interviews I have had over the years that have been spoiled by someone driving by on oh. a vehicle or any number of those types of things? In terms of trying to do an interview for a pregame show. Crank up the jackhammer, boys! <laughs> but Coach was asked a little bit about backups, but it was a lot of questions, of course, about Benson. And I, you know, I'm going to say it a hundred times as we lead up to the season. He's going to have a special year. Uh, you know, it's, and it's kind of like the same story with the rest of that offensive line. Is you know, are you dealing with? Well, it is. You are dealing with you know a lot of guys going to be hanging out in the background trying for one of those spots in another year or waiting in the wings in case something does happen to one of those starters and they're ready to jump in. I don't know if you call it complacency. I mean, these guys already have their spots already saved up. They are starters. The offensive line is back, and Ben Sennett might have an All-American type of season. But behind him, I mean, I think tight end is very interesting. Will Swanson has been trying to prove himself the last year or two. And he's, I think he's done so in his limited opportunities as a blocking uh, tight end, but we've seen him very little in the passing game. Christian Moore, I mean, his his position is dissolving, and now he's trying to, you know, trying to work his way into the lineup in any way he possibly can. And then, by the way, behind Ben Sinnott and Will Swanson, you have probably four guys that are either redshirt freshmen or true freshmen that all have a legit shot of winning the job later down the road. We're in that interesting place where we've talked about opening up the offense, and that means that the tight ends specifically are being utilized a bit more than what they had been, at least a little more wide open than what they had been, as you saw with Senate last year. Uh, and so it's an interesting trek forward to kind of get used to that, given that you know for so long, K-State's tight ends had turned into blocking backs or safety valves, mm -hmm. essentially, and were tight to the line in a lot of the old Bill Snyder offense. Mm -hmm. I know what you get, I, I hear what you're saying with the complacency. Um, a guy will come in and go, well, I was a starter last year, so I'm going to be the starter this year, and no one's going to take my job. Ben Sinnott doesn't cut me as the kind of no. guy that thinks like that. No. And I think that's also a credit to the coaching staff who – completely has, has has this team is bought in you compete every day your job could be it, it could be open every single day uh, you got to earn it in practice and Benson it seems like the kind of guy that he's he makes he solidifies it he leaves no doubt in practice in film taking care of stuff in the classroom as well he he does all those things he does all the right things and represents the team and the the school correctly and i think that his job 
is safe because he makes it safe, not because for sure we got to give it to him because he was a starter last year. They don't play that over. Oh there. no, I mean he clear. I mean going back to the Oklahoma game, I yeah. mean he along with AJ Martinez opening up the arm, you know, launching yes. it downfield. I mean, who was really the guy that got that started along with? Adrian Martinez, that was Ben Sennett. Yeah. On that first drive, he had two big catches. Mm-hmm. And from there on out, I mean, all night, the offense was rolling, and he had some of the biggest catches of the night. Mm-hmm. And then that, of course, he's setting up, you know, how many rushing touchdowns did Martinez have in that game? And then, you know, there's maybe that lull, but then in the second half of the year, towards the end of the season, you saw two more pretty big games from Ben Sin, and all of a sudden he's almost getting to 500 yards on the year mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Crazy. Just big big passing plays. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and watch his highlight film and the highlights he had from last year, you see him running all different routes. Mm-hmm. All different routes. You hardly see the same one. And he's also lining up at different places on the field. How would he's you versatile. like to be a defensive coordinator having to watch that film? Criminy! They got another guy! Absolutely. I mean... I, I, I think of Travis Kelsey when I think of yes. the way he plays tight end. Sure. I mean, the way that, well, no more Eric Bieniemy, but it's Matt Nagy, or just say Andy Reid, <laughs> the way they use Travis Kelsey is they definitely use his skill set. Yep. He is so good at what he can do as a guy that lines up in the slot sometimes mm-hmm. or lines up on the right side of the line of scrimmage as a tight end or whatever. He can line up anywhere and run whatever route. Right. Ben Sinnott can do that. He can. And with how sexy the tight end position is now because of the Travis Kelseys, a guy like Ben Sinnott who is doing that <laughs> at the college level becomes much more attractive now for the next level. That's why you're starting to see – a lot of talks about this might be his last year. He could be a 2024 draft pick. He's a guy, too, just like Travis Kelsey, where not only do we know the playbook upside down, left, right, all the way through, but they have a feel for the game. Find a soft spot in that zone and sit down. And when you have that kind of connection between the quarterback and tight end, look out too big for DBs and too fast for linebackers. I mean, give me a break, man. All right, we got to take a break. Mitch Holtis is coming up next on the game. It is round number two for Chiefs training camp update with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. It's brought to you by Hy-Vee and K-State Federal Credit Union. Contact Sharina Richardson about using the credit union advantage for your next home loan. Mitch, good to talk to you again. Let's jump right in and let's get an update on Felix Andy DK Uzama because last week you, you said he needed to have a big week and he showed up third string on the first depth chart from the Chiefs. Did you see improvement this week? I did, and it was encouraging. I still got a long way to go, but with the six-game suspension to uh, Charles Amenahu, is uh, you can't wait a whole long time. Not that he's going to get all those snaps of Amenahu missing, but he's going to have to be Felix is going to have to be a part of the um, algebraic equation here of about four or five guys all filling in for those two slots. But he did. There were signs of life. He, he was working with the first team, uh, rotating in. He did a really good play. The best play yet at the goal line is he got into the armpit of Donovan Smith. This was on Saturday and got enough of a rush on Mahomes where it forced an interception, actually. And I'm thinking, okay, that's the uh, Felix Andrew that I saw at K-State. But it's getting there. Um, it's just it's been a slow go. The bigger story is really... Uh, Echo Boydo, who was working with the first team as well. Not that he's going to make the team, but he's got a shot at being on the practice squad with his deep 
as this team is at uh, with young secondary players, that would be huge for Boydo to make the uh, practice squad for this team. Speaking with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis here on the game. So uh, I, I did want to jump to the secondary. Speaking of uh, Echo Boydo, you know, one Thornhill at safety. He's out after four seasons in Kansas City. He's now with Cleveland. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I saw Brian Cook as, as currently the starting job right now, and I know he was a backup last year, but I thought it was interesting. Like I was hoping there would be a battle between him and uh, Shamari Connor, who is the draft pick out of Virginia Tech. Have you seen a, a, a battle between those two? I wouldn't say a battle. It's Cook's job, and Cook yeah. has really done a nice job. Uh, so this is Cook and Justin Reed. If they go three safeties, it could be Deion Bush, who actually is a four-core special teamer, uh, but right now, the third safety would be Mike Edwards, who was picked up as a free agent from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if we're going to list them, it would be Reed, Justin Reed, one. Two would be Brian Cook. Three would be Mike Edwards. And closely behind would be Shamari Connor, kind of tied with Deion Bush. I don't know they would keep five safeties. Uh, maybe you keep five corners, five safeties but probably more than likely six corners, four safeties. But there's going to be a tough cut to make uh, regardless of the mathematics. You know, it's back back to Felix here. Sure. I had a chance to pull him aside and talk to him. And there's a lot on his plate. When you're the first-round pick, it's awesome to stand up there in front of your hometown crowd and say, wow, I'm a Lee Summit kid, played at K-State, now I'm going to be a chief. But now reality is set in for Felix. And I asked him about it, including some tutoring, and I'm seeing the Chiefs do with FAU. Uh, this camp is tough, I'm not going to lie, but honestly, um, I'm enjoying every si- single second of it. I'm enjoying learning from the older vets. I'm enjoying learning uh, from the coaches, and uh, I'm just very excited to be here. Interesting to see you work one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other guys are off, but they're working on your drops. Yeah. Uh, what about that? And how much of that did you do at K-State? Uh, I didn't do any at K-State. Um, it's, a, it's a good learning experience just to learn, work on my drops, just to learn something new, especially uh, coming to the league now. So I learned from, uh, from Spags, defense, and stuff like that, just learning how to uh, do my drops and learning the correct way. The drops are, and Mitch, I've told you this, that the uh, ingenuity and creativity of Steve Spagnuolo is underrated. The Chiefs are almost as creative defensively as they are offensively. They've got plays, including Karloftis, where you get a defensive end that's turning his hips and actually back in coverage. Now, that's why when I saw him, he's been off, Felix has been off one-on-one working with Terry Braddon, while the other defensive linemen are off doing a drill. He'll be by himself working on staying low, turning his hips, showing a rush, and then backing off. I'm like, man, I don't 
remember seeing him do that at K-State, and he just told us he didn't do it. So it's uh, the more he can do, though, if he can do that and capture that with his athleticism, it would be uh, a good thing for Felix. To the offensive side of the football here, Mitch, last week in the in the last question I asked you, you gave us a heads up on Deneric Prince, who's a undrafted free agent out of Tulsa. And because of that heads up, I wasn't surprised to see that he's now uh, right now chalked in as the top kick returner, but also fourth string running back. And I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he has been missing practice due to an illness. But, I mean, heading into this training camp, this was a very important training camp for him you know, to, to try to keep his job or try to uh, stay in the top three. What could this mean for Clyde Edwards-Alaire with such a strong, strong presence from Daenerys Prince? Well, it could make him in the firehouse, ready to fight the fire, but not on the first fire engine out. The kick returning ability of Daenerys Prince, keep in mind, Isaiah Pacheco did almost all of it last year. He ain't going to do it this year because you need him on scrimmage downs, and he's coming off shoulder surgery. So Prince, who looks like wait till you see him on Sunday, uh, and we'll talk about him, is a clone of Niall Davis of the 2015 glorious return in my first ever playoff win after waiting 21 years. Uh, but he's also been very good in the passing game. So Clyde, I really think they'll keep four running backs because there is no fullback. So that gives you a slot to keep four tight ends and four running backs. That doesn't mean Clyde will be active against the Detroit Lions, but he'll be ready. It's the Dalmatian in the in the firehouse. like the, And all of a sudden, it was kind of like the Ronald Jones Jr. role last year. You're ready with a guy who can make plays and do good things and help you win games and actually provides outstanding depth. Now, for Clyde to accept that as a former first-round draft pick is difficult to do. That's you telling me I'm going to run the night show. And wait a minute, I was selected to do the mid-afternoon show. But right now I'm under contract. If you want me to go to the night show, I'm going to be the best night show host that you're going to have on the station. That's That's where... Clyde is at right now. Now, here's where Prince is also showing up, though. Let's go back to Daenerys Prince. An underrated facet of the Chiefs winning Super Bowl 57 and going 14-3 and last year was the ability to get the running backs involved in the passing game, most notably Jarek McKinnon. Okay, yes, he got a lot of red zone um, targets, second only to Austin Eckler in the entire National Football League. But the Chiefs were working on this last year. They did a little of it. You'll see more of it this year. That is attacking the third level on a deep throw to a running back. And Daenerys Prince is showing the ability, even with the running back body, to make a double move or be able to win on a route against a corner safety or dropping linebacker. And you get a chunk play there where it's not coming from a wide receiver. So Prince has shown the ability to do that and has endeared himself even further to this coaching staff. A wide receiver, I'm going to single out here, Rasheed Rice, uh, the, the draft pick second round out of SMU. He's got the spot right now behind Kadarius Tony, and, of course, Tony's questionable for week one. Um, but going wide receiver with the second round pick has been a popular move for Veach in – you know, really in the last five years. I think it's three out of the last five years if you include Sky Moore and McCole Hardman. Where where would you say Rice is at compared to those other two when it comes to just being this far in training camp? Okay. Full disclosure, I get counseled by PR and putting that draft or that depth chart together. Don't overthink the depth chart. 
Okay. Here's where this wide receiver core is right now. And I, I mean, we can go right down the line numerically. I mean, Rasheed Rice is number four. Eight uh, is Ross, right? Justin Ross. Eleven is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, Thirteen won't make it. Um, Seventeen's Richie James Jr. He's involved here. Just walk me through this. Like nineteen will be Kadarius Tony when he's healthy. Twenty-four Sky Moore. If I lined up all those guys up at the bill, you know what they're doing? They're doing the Wabash, and they're all like bopping and weaving, and they're all in the same line doing the same rhythm, just like the Wabash and the students. And the reason I say that is not to be a funny, but I want to give an analogy of like they're all doing a really good job, but there's nobody that's out in front of anybody else right now. And that doesn't mean that's not a bad thing. Justin Watson's involved in this. But they're just kind of bopping the head with each other on that same on the same bench, basically to the Wabash. And there's a lot of talent there. There's not big-time 1,200-yard talent yet. But there's nobody that's going, wow, this guy's ahead of this guy or that guy's ahead of that guy. Uh, if anything, it's Sky Moore being a shade ahead of the others, but not enough. Whether he's not, he's not still jamming to the wall bench. All right, Mitch. As we uh, get close to wrapping up here, I'll ask you the same question we ended on last week because you gave us a really good piece of information with Deneric Prince, and that is in this last week has anybody really jumped out at you that maybe we didn't talk about last week or even mention this week? Nick Jones, corner at a Ball State, seventh round pick. Uh, wow, he fits right in with these DBs that we got last year. And right now, going back to the mathematics, we could talk about this in the weeks ahead, but the, you keep five safeties, you keep six corners. He looks to me like a fifth or sixth corner that's going to play the slot. He can also play some safety. He can, he just, he's fitting right in and he's getting a lot of reps. But, but right behind him is Boydo. I don't think Boydo will make the original 53, but that doesn't mean he won't run on the field sometime this year as a Kansas City Chief. But that's a long way to go from the former Lawrence Lyon, basically got off the school bus and brought his cleats and tried out and made the team. Boydo's, Chase State needs to be real proud of Boydo. I saw his brother and his dad at practice the other day. It's just amazing what's happened with that kid. He's won spags over. But right ahead of him is a kid named Nick Jones, seventh round ball state, and he is firing up the charts. Something about the Kansas City Chiefs and seventh round draft picks the last couple of years. Uh, Mitch, great. Yeah, Mitch, greatly appreciate you. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's just seventh round DBs. I mean, and 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 then you throw in Pacheco, but Pacheco. that tells you, that just tells you all about uh, Brett Beach and his group. They're they're finding dudes everywhere. All right, Mitch, we're coming up on a break. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on again, and we'll be listening to your call on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars for the first preseason game. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Mitch. Talk to you guys.